Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Emerson Egerich is a relationship expert and best-selling author known best for his book, Love and Respect. Emerson, thanks so much for being here today. Hey, thank you, Kirk. I've been looking forward to this and very excited about uh, your new program. Oh, well, I, I have been looking forward to this conversation. You know, I was in the movie Fireproof. I played Captain Caleb Holt. And, and, and you know, I, I'm starting to think now that if, if I had just read Love and Respect, the movie Fireproof may have been completely unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were commenting how many people look to you now as the guru because you were in that movie. And uh, I thought that was a great comment. And the truth is, I'm just a student now speaking with a professor. I, I'm so so thankful for the book that you've written and uh, the many books that you've written. I, I want to ask you a question. Many many marriage experts either come from uh, a home environment where they had great examples from their parents of how to do relationships and marriage, and others not so great. Do you fall into one of those two camps? I do, and that's an intriguing observation. In fact. I spoke to the 12,000 students at Liberty University on this phrase that we've all learned and heard, the wounded healer. And I described myself as that wounded healer. My mom and dad divorced when I was one. Uh, then they remarried each other, but they separated for another five years. My dad attempted to strangle my mother. Uh, I witnessed that, we think, when I was around two and a half. Uh, and that left uh, some really deep uh, wounds. And uh, we were not Christ followers, didn't know the Lord. I eventually was sent to a military school from eighth grade to 12th grade at Missouri Military Academy. A film Billy Graham put out called For Pete's Sake was being shown at the theater and I went with some cadets and I heard the message that God loved me, that Christ died for me, that I could be forgiven. I was thinking about going to West Point. I'd met with my congressman, the president can make a recommendation. But when I found out Billy Graham went to Wheaton, I pivoted and went to Wheaton, and my freshman year, my mother prayed to receive Christ, my sister, who was older, prayed to receive Christ, my brother-in-law, who's a professor, prayed to receive Christ, and my father prayed to receive Christ, mm. and they changed. Mom began to speak for Christian women's clubs. Dad would drive her around, but that woundedness within me, I think, triggered my desire to help people like my mom and dad. You know, I thought if I could go back now, knowing what I know, and speak to my parents who are in their 30s, uh, I would have a message for them. And that's the message I want to give to other people. I'm burdened for the little boys and girls out there like me and moms and dads who have goodwill but don't know how to do their relationship. There are these honest misunderstandings. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. And I'm so glad that you're purposing to do that. What a, what a miraculous story of epic proportions, yeah. the way that God saved you and then began to uh, save those in your family. So Emerson, you've written a book called Love and Respect uh, that millions of people have read and benefited from. Uh, what inspired you to write that book and why did you call it Love and Respect? Good question. I pastored for 20 years and uh, I stumbled across Ephesians 5.33 one day, which is the summary statement to the greatest treatise, many would say, 
on marriage in the New Testament. And it's the summation where a husband is commanded to love and a wife is commanded to respect. And uh, I realized no one debated the idea that a husband ought to love his wife. Uh, but the idea of respecting a man, I mean, women would say, you know, he hasn't earned it. He doesn't deserve it. I don't feel it. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to feed his narcissism. I'm certainly not going to secretly, you know, somehow enter into the, your agenda about returning to patriarchy. I'm not going to be a doormat. I'm not going to worship him and kind of bow down to him. But other than these things, Dr. Emerson, I'm really open to hearing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we realized, though, that uh, because I went to military school, issues of honor, you and I know as a man, we, we serve and die for honor. We're motivated by the idea. We respect each other. We don't show each other contempt unless you want to have an enemy. And in fact, one husband said to his wife, I love you so much, I would die for you. She said, oh, Harry, you keep saying that, but you never do. <laughs> you know? But nonetheless, you and I serve for honor. And we're motivated by that. But women weren't feeling the same way. But as I meditated on that Ephesians passage, apart from some of the cultural, social, political issues, I thought, what happens when Sarah feels unloved? And Sarah and I have been married since 1973. And... Uh, she has a tendency to react in ways that appears disrespectful to me. Very rarely do I doubt that she loves me. I know she loves me. I just don't think she likes me. <laughs> One time she chased me around the house with my love and respect book saying, what would you say to a husband treating his wife the way you're treating me? Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, we have our heated uh, fellowship as well. But I realize that Sarah reacts in these negative ways that appears disrespectful to me. And when I feel disrespected, I end up reacting in ways that appear unloving to her. 85% of those who withdraw on Stonewall is the male. And of course, that, that just crushes the heart of a woman when we disengage like that. So we, and we've asked 7,000 people this question, Kirk. When you're in a conflict with your spouse, do you feel unloved at that moment or disrespected? Get this, 83% of the men say they feel disrespected. And 72% of the women say they feel unloved. So we know there's exceptions to this. Those statistics show that. But this is statistically significant. And that the reliability of that the test has been shown again and again. I have my PhD in family studies. So that kind of research is important to me. But here's the deal. We all need love and respect equally, as I say. But apparently, the felt need during conflict differs. And as I meditated on that, I realized the Lord was probably revealing something to us to encourage us. Because here's what I discovered. I call it the crazy cycle. Without love, Sarah reacts without respect. Without respect, Emerson reacts without love. And without love, she reacts without respect. And without respect, he reacts. And this baby starts to spin, Kirk. And people of goodwill, Sarah and I have goodwill, and we get on the crazy cycle. And what I believe is that we don't understand this dynamic that I'm talking about. Because she's not trying to be disrespectful, and yet men take up offense. And he's not trying to be unloving. He'd die for her. But she takes up offense. And so our campaign, Sarah and I, has been to help to decode that crazy cycle because it happens to all of us. And when the issue isn't the issue and you sense the spirit of your spouse deflating, you're probably on the crazy cycle. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. And I know that there are several cycles that you refer to in your book, but I just want to double click for a minute on, on what you're talking about here. You say in your book that love is not enough. And many of us have been programmed to think that, well, if, if, if you would just learn to love her better and she would just learn to love him, it's all about love. God is love. Love one another. Uh, love your enemy, uh, you know, which sometimes our spouse can feel like an enemy. Why do you say love is not enough? 
Well, it, it's not because love isn't important, but neither Paul nor Peter ever command a wife to agape love a, a, a wife. There's agape love, which is the godlike, unconditional love. Then there's phileo, Philadelphia. You're to phileo your husband in Titus to not fillet him, but phileo, but it's not agape. <laughs> That's a key distinction. I think you need to repeat That's that. Exactly right. That's right. And then there's eros. And those are the three, agape, phileo, and eros are the three components of marital love. But no wife is commanded to agape love her husband. And I meditated on that, and I realized the Lord put it within the nature of women to nurture. Women love to love. You have to wound her at the level of intimacy to get her to stop loving. So God doesn't command her to do what he created her to do. Peter in 1 Peter 3 says, you win a disobedient husband through your respectful behavior. He walked with the Lord of love for three years and never commands a wife to agape love. So as a biblicist studying the Bible, I realized this is significant. And so the question is, well, isn't love enough? Well, you could say that, but the apostles are saying there must be something that happens in a woman when she feels unloved. She reacts in a way that she thinks is the loving thing to do, but in the man's world, it appears disdainful, contemptuous, belittling, and disrespectful. She doesn't intend that. That's not the goal. And so my mission has been to help men decode that. But also I say to women, if you misrepresent yourself, you're going to be misinterpreted. If at the end of the day, you're not trying to diss him, but he thinks you are, you need to develop a new vocabulary to disarm him that that's not your intent. But in answer to your question, I landed on the love and respect message because that's the summation of the greatest treatise in the New Testament. Paul says a husband must love and a wife must respect. And Peter also said, you win a disobedient husband through respect. They landed squarely on that, and so I did as well. So if a couple is experiencing the chaos of the crazy cycle, you don't respect me, well, you don't love me, and when you start loving me, then I'll start to show you the respect that you deserve, but right now you haven't earned any of my respect. How do they move out of that into the healthier place of the energizing cycle you talk about? Well, the crazy cycle, you know, we've all heard the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing over and over again with the same ill effects. And so if a couple's been married 10 years and they're in that crazy cycle, and most everybody, people say, you just said in five minutes what described 25 years of my marriage. Very few people differ with this. Uh, there are some exceptions, but overall, uh, everybody gets it. Yeah, that's where we live. Even if she needs respect, he needs love. I can see how that plays out in our relationship. And so if we keep reacting the way that you're talking about and keep blaming the other person for my reaction, then it's just going to keep spinning. So people have to come to a point where they make a decision. And people always ask me, well, who moves first to jump off the crazy cycle? And I say, well, the one who sees himself or herself as the most mature uh, moves first. And of course, <laughs> if we think that our spouse is always reacting in this childish way, then we're conceding to the fact that we see ourselves as the most mature. And I also say, people say, but I don't know if I can do this, Emerson. I said, well, let me say it this way. If you were to get $30 million tax-free for the next six weeks, if, if you never spun on the crazy cycle or got angry at your spouse, would you over the next six weeks, and there'd be a video crew following 24-7 for $30 million untaxed, uh, would you spin on the crazy cycle? Would you do your part to get off of it? Would you stop being angry? And every, the crowds that we, you know, we do our conference, oh, no, yeah, yeah. I said, so here's the point. We can do this. We're just not getting paid enough. That's right. We, we, we do it for money, but we wouldn't do it that's for right. God and for our spouse. Wow, uh, that, that, that's convicting. Now, I know that when we read your book, we 
study through the, the group study series or, or attend one of your conferences, we'll learn how to do that, how to get out of this crazy cycle into an energizing cycle. Uh, you talk in your book uh, with regard to the question, what women actually want, you've got this acronym, COUPLE, C-O-U-P-L-E. What, what does that stand for? Uh, closeness, openness, understanding, peacemaking, loyalty, and esteem. And when a man is committed, he won't do it perfectly, but uh, oftentimes when the spirit of a wife deflates, if you take that as a checklist, why is she deflating? Why is she upset? Did I send a message to her that I don't want to be close with her? I don't want to be open with her. I don't want to understand her. I don't want to be at peace with her. I don't want to be loyal to her. I don't want to esteem her. And respect or esteem is part and parcel of love. She needs to be honored. Peter's very clear. Honor your wife as a fellow heir of the grace of life. But when a man doesn't do those things, uh, then she's going to deflate. But if a man in good willed, you know, motivation moves toward his wife to do that or he humbly confesses, I failed to do that, I'm sorry. Most every woman I know will soften, will forgive, will let him start again, will appreciate him. She'll even be bragging about him to her women friends. But that's the energizing cycle. And one of the things we say to, to get off that crazy cycle, I think one of the things we need to do is decode, is your wife really trying to dish you or is she just crying out for love? And did you say or do something earlier that felt unloving to her, which explains her reaction? She's trying to say to you, I'm feeling unloved. She's not trying to say, I don't respect you. And ladies, when your husband shuts down on you and reacts in a way that feels unloving, did you say or do something prior to that that was disrespectful? Women have photographic memories. They'll say, well, yes, but he should know I didn't mean it. <laughs> he should know I didn't mean it. And so one of the things I encourage people to do is to not personalize on the crazy cycle too quickly. Sarah will react to me, I react, but we realize you know, we're vulnerable. We're insecure people at times, and we give the benefit of the doubt to each other. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, 33 and 34, the husband is concerned about how to please his wife, and the wife is concerned about how to please her husband. And we've got to take that by faith, unless we're married to Hitler's distant cousin, you know, I mean, and there are evil people out there. But it's kind of a sad day when we're married to a person who has basic goodwill, who's basically concerned. They're not getting up early in the morning to storyboard ways to irritate us and annoy us. And, and But we're taking up offense and we resent them when really they're just defensively, insecurely reacting to something we said or did earlier. And if we're honest about that, we can begin to make a change. And we talk how to get off that. But then you transition to the energizing cycle, which is how do you energize somebody? How do you motivate somebody? Mm. How do you influence them? And there's a fine line between manipulation and motivation. You know, a guy says, I've been right. loving today. Can we have sex? I mean, that's manipulation. But motivation is I really want to learn how to be close, to be open, to be understanding, to be at peace with you, to be loyal to you. Esteem. You know, my family of origin, I don't know how to do this. I don't know. I don't want to be unloving. I mean, every wife just softens when she hears her husband talk that way. It's just powerful. So you've got an acronym for the ladies, couples. Now let's flip the script and talk about what you say guys are really looking for from their wives. Um, what are some practical things that she can do to respect the man in her life? The acronym that you have for the guys is CHAIRS. I probably would have went for Lazy Boy Recliner, but that's probably got too many letters in it. So <laughs> what, what does CHAIRS stand for? Well, I think it's more abstract. We talk about conquest, uh, hierarchy, authority, insight, relationship, shoulder to shoulder, we talk about, and then sexuality. And uh, those are abstract 
I talk about women have the, you know, the romantic languages, French, Italian, and couple C-O-U-P-L-E. It's just so right. But then when we talk chairs, it's guttural. It's, uh, it's Russian. You know, it's German. Exactly. <laughs> and so instead of trying to uh, unpack that, I think the thing I always begin with, let them read that because I go into the fuller development. And I will say that almost every man who's read chairs says, that's me. That's me. That's who I am. That's who your son will be. And so it doesn't make sense to the female. But I will tell you, when you see a spirit deflate and he withdraws from you, just ask yourself, did I step on his air hose, so to speak, in one of those six areas? But most women ask the first question, Emerson, I have no idea what you mean about even respect. And in psychology, we talk about it as unconditional positive regard toward the spirit of another person. Unconditional positive regard toward the spirit of a person. Unconditional love and unconditional respect. Many people sense intuitively what unconditional love is, and that's right. But unconditional respect is an oxymoron. It's a contradiction of terms to them that respect must be earned. Respect must be deserved. Yeah. But here's the deal. Unconditional means there's no condition or situation or circumstance that can get me to hate you or show you contempt. God's command to me is to be loving and respectful apart from you. And people get confused. They think that I am the way I am because you caused me to be that way. Yes, they affect us, but they don't cause us to become a contemptuous, hateful person. They don't have that power. That's a choice I make. They can uh, motivate me to want to do that. But at the end of the day, that's my decision. But unconditional, some people get confused about that. And so what we're talking about here with regard to respect is when a woman is upset, can she distinguish the thing that's not respectable that he's done and respectfully communicate to his spirit about that which was not respectable? Mm. Every male leader toward another man, that's how he approaches. He honors the inner man while he confronts those things that aren't honorable. He never shows contempt toward the spirit of the man. Because when you do that, you've got an enemy and you're going to lose his heart. And women have to practice this. They, In one way you do this, I'm not trying to dis, dis you right now. I'm not trying to dishonor you. Help me understand. What you did hurt me. You're an honorable man who would die for me if I don't kill you first. But help me say this in a way that you don't just shut down on me. This is unacceptable with me, but help me understand this. You're an honorable man. See, she's going back before. She's, she's confronting the behavior without disapproving the male spirit. And that's an art and a skill that has to be developed. But we talk about respectful attitude coming at his spirit from your demeanor. And when a woman is upset, the University of Washington study that she shows these gestures of contempt, the eyes darken, the face sours, the sigh, the rolling of the head and the eyes, the hand on the hips, the scolding finger, all of these are maternal, but in the male world, male world they are, they are they're mothering, they're disrespectful, they're belittling. And so she ends up misrepresenting herself. So she has to let him know that that's not her mission. Her mission is, I need something from you that only you can meet. And I'm feeling insecure and I need you right now to understand my heart. So how do I say this without offending you? He'll engage that. And I tell women, try it out for a while and see if what I said isn't true. This is fantastic. I, I could just talk to you uh, all, all day long, but we're going to go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with Emerson about how we can prevent heartache and headache before pressing send. You're not going to want to miss this.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with Emerson Egerich after a fascinating conversation about his book, Love and Respect, and the need for both of these within a relationship. And now, Emerson, I want to talk with you about another critical component of any relationship, communication. Um, You have uh, another book out that is called Before You Hit Send, Preventing Heartache and headache. And this explores the challenges that we have in today's digital age where we can communicate things instantaneously at any moment. What is different about this age of communicating in relationships than what we were dealing with before? That's an excellent question. I think part of it is just the community, the village that we had where relationships were important and you had to be guarded about what you said in the village because your reputation was contingent on that. I think now with the social media, we don't have relationships like we used to in the, you know, those agricultural settings. And so our reputation doesn't seem to rest on uh, what it is that we're saying over the Internet. And I think that there is some real vitriolic attitudes. People seem to resent so deeply. There um, seems to be a, 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 a hatred even in some quarters. And so this is feeding what I think we all recognize is a serious problem because we're we're losing what used to be called the civil debate, you know, civility and how we debate issues. Um, There's a shift away from that a little bit. And hopefully we'll return because we'll see the wisdom of the ages. Uh, In your book, you you challenge your readers to think about four things that they should think about before they hit the send button on that text or that email. What are those four things? Is it true that you're about to say, is it true? Is it kind Is it necessary? And the one that I added is, is it clear? Because people would say, you know, I think what you said is true and kind and maybe necessary, but I have no idea what you just said. said, So I added clarity because it forced me to, am I really clear here? Do people understand what it is I just said to them? And those are the four questions. And if if we can say yes to that, then hit send. It's not a matter of remaining silent and and applies to marriage true. Is that what I'm about to say true? So am I saying this in a kind way? And am I saying this in a way that's really necessary? Is it really necessary at this point to say this? It may not be. And then have I really said it clearly? It may be clear to me. But those four questions, Kirk, have helped me over the years. This isn't just a book I wrote. I've tried to live this way. And uh, it's disappointing for me to see so many people who have thrown this wisdom to the wind. Why do we have to remind ourselves of something that should be so obvious? Well, that's the question on the table. I think that there's resentment. I think people need to get in tune with what's driving this. This is why Jesus was so clear that every word we speak, we've got to get them count to. This was sobering to me when I came across that passage, that at the end of the day, this isn't the horizontal as much as it is the vertical, that at the end of the day, I've got to give it, and in my life, I've got to give an account for the words that I speak. So there needs to always be a check in my spirit even though somebody may have said something to me that I want to retaliate on, that we're called to a higher standard. But I also believe that if we continue to operate according to these four questions and answers, 
we will prove to be more persuasive in the long run. We will lose the battle on this conversation, lose the battle there, lose the battle there, but then we'll win the war. I have to ask you, how do you know whether or not what you're about to say is actually necessary? Because I, I can think of times where you're like, this is, is it, yes, this is true. What I'm about to say is 100% true. I can be very clear in my explaining of what's going on here. And I can say it in a kind way, but is it necessary? How do I determine that? Well, it's an issue of timeliness. I mean, you know, again, we say to marital couples, maybe you're both fatigued, so it's, it's not necessary to say it now. Talk about it when you're not so tired and in, okay. in the morning. But if, if in a social setting, you know, again, I think if we say what's true and we're humble about the fact that we don't have a corner of the truth, but here's what we understand it, the facts to be, and we are lovingly and, re and respectful and kind, and we're questioning ourselves, is it really necessary or not? And you don't really know if it is or not. It is clear. You say it lovingly, respectfully. It's truthful. Then, yeah, jump into it. Go proceed with it. Emerson, before we wrap our time up together, tell me about this book that you have that is helping mothers and sons. The respect message, as I said earlier, mothers and wives want to do what God wants them to do. You know, they want to do what's right in their marriage. They want to do what's right in the family. And what happened with the respect message, women begin to realize, wow, this, this is really working in the heart of my husband. His spirit is softening. He's moving toward me. He's connecting. And then they had this light bulb. I've got three sons. I wonder, I wonder if I apply this respect message to my boys, whether or not it will work. Well, Kirk, hundreds, if not thousands of mothers began to write me and tell me what happened. And uh, the mother-son book is really the result of all these testimonies, story after story after story, mm. of how mothers used a few vocabulary words that were different. Women love to love. They're going to say, love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. And they need to keep doing that. But every so often, say, I really respect this about you. What you did here is very honorable. A few vocabulary words. In fact, uh, Focus on the Family uh, did an interview of me on this, and then they distributed these things for five-minute clips for about 10 different sessions, and 100,000 women signed up for this. So there's a tremendous desire in mommy's hearts to do the best that they can in relationship to their sons. And this is a niche that I discovered that I want every mother to know about it, at least just look at it. You don't have to buy into it right away. But And don't use it as a formula on your son to get him to obey you. See it as a need that he has, as a need from you that only you as his mother can, can fulfill. And it does revolve around what I call the respect effect. Emerson, I have loved this conversation and I have such respect for you. Oh, I love you. Thank I love you. you. I love you. Thank you for your, your wise words today. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.